The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. <laughs> you what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Break, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Happy Tuesday, Jay Sandoz. Keith Break, if you're listening on a Tuesday, if you're listening on another day, it's not Tuesday, but when we record, it is Tuesday. Tuesday all day, every day, and we are going to talk a lot ETSU athletics because it's what we always do, number one, but number two, a lot of things going on, not just football, which yes, we will talk about football, we will break it down, but it was a weekend that saw a lot and currently still going on right now as we'll talk a little men's golf, a little women's soccer, a little men's soccer. Obviously, the uh, basketball open gym, I didn't get to go to it because we had to do a grill talk because we weren't out there, but yes, that, uh, it's coming upon us. Big weekend uh, for a lot of teams in, in the women's soccer this year. Uh-huh. What do you want to leave? Uh, I think we should uh, talk about the good stuff that happened to us this week, um, which I got to watch ETSU men's soccer hammer UNCG 6-0 on Friday, and uh Women's soccer cruised out to a 4 0 lead against Wofford, 1 4 1. Yeah, more goals in those two games than uh, at uh, Bank of Tennessee Field at William B. Gray Jr. Stadium. I didn't say it. You did. Um, yeah, the women's soccer team is in the title fight with three games left. I guess men's soccer technically is too, but uh, they're only 40% of the way through their SOCON schedule. They're 1 0 oh, 1. Furman is 2 0. Oh. Mercer, I believe, is also 1 0 oh, 1. Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. Wofford is 1-0-1 because those two teams played to a goalless draw. So, uh, and UNCG is 0-2. And now, if you're looking for ETSU to get a high seed, you want UNCG to win lots of games the rest of the way and ETSU to handle its business with uh, VMI this weekend. And then they get Furman at Furman and Mercer at home the last day of the season. So, they got a couple non-conference games as well. They play Gardner-Webb tonight at 6 o'clock. Women's soccer, two points back of Western Carolina, who is outright in first place with three games left, tied with Samford on points. And they play UNCG on Thursday, but then their last two games are at Samford and Western Carolina at Summers-Taylor Stadium, where they are unbeaten and have only conceded one goal all season, and it was Sunday. So it took them a long time, and it might take the next team a long time to find the back of the net as a visitor at Summer Taylor Stadium. And when you look at the women's soccer, you know, being a top two seed is huge because then you get a host of quarters and semifinals. Yes. And, and on top of that, just the expectations for this team, too. We picked seventh. I don't think anybody really knew what to, to make of them. I watched the friendly with Virginia Tech, and it was like, yeah, okay, this, this team could be pretty good. That's last year's championship, by the way. Uh, it, could, it, could be, it could be pretty good. Um, and then I watched Kennesaw State, and I said, if they can get a goal, this is going to work. And if they don't get a goal soon, then it might come apart. Well, then they scored twice in 74 seconds against Davidson. Bang, bang. So, okay, they're in. Let's ride. That's kinda, And that's kind of how it went. Um, yeah, uh, men's soccer, women's soccer, doing good work, continue to do good work. Women's soccer in a title race. Really exciting group, ton of positive energy. And uh, they're just – generally a fun team to watch this season and if you be- 
if you listen to Jay Elton, he says it, it's only going to get better. Um, obviously can't talk about the players that he has lined up for the 2024 recruiting class, which were really probably committed like eight, nine, ten months ago. But uh, at the same time, he, he really is a believer in the direction of the program and uh, is appreciative of all the support. So that's uh, uh, exciting for, for that group to be where they are at this point of the year. And then men's soccer still need to take care of business against VMI. You win against VMI, and then it's fights on uh, for the SOCON championship on the men's side because they'll have two of their tougher games of the year every year, Furman and Mercer, in the final two games of the season. Yeah, I guess the way you want it if you're ETSU, right, because you got everything in front of you with Sanford, Western Carolina. Yelton Bowl. I like to call it Yelton Bowl. Because there's three Yeltons in that one. There is, but the two head coaches are the Yelton. Yeah, it's the clash of the, the, the Yelton boys. Them old Yelton boys from Piney Flats. Yeah, that'll be this Sunday. And then, as you said, the following Sunday, so 12 days from now, will be the final regular season uh, women's soccer match. Correct. And then the next weekend will be, again, when it will start uh, Southern Conference play again. Yeah, so the, so it's that Sunday. The tournament actually, I believe, starts that Tuesday. Tuesday which ETSU is not going to be in danger, but you're correct because correct. seven, ten, eight, nine will play each other on a home site Tuesday. Those winners will travel to the one and two seeds because one and twos host the quarters mm-hmm. and then host the semis. Even if they're not in it, they will host the semis, and then the last remaining seed will host the championship game. The women's side on the men's side, similar, the one and two seeds uh, host. Which they're not in. There's only six teams, uh, and they, they will play the semifinals in their place. Haas seed has been there now a couple of years ago. I always hated it. One, uh, I think it was women's was still highest seed, but then the men went to one side, and that didn't make any sense. But they kind of, kind of matched it up. Yeah. Either way, uh, both teams have a chance of hosting some Southern Conference tournament games at their place at Summer Sailor Stadium which obviously that is the goal where you can play uh, in your own facility and then uh, make key work work. Yes. Uh, you know, listen, I, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't mind that one uh, one bit. Now, uh, we also have some other great news from the world of ETSU men's golf. As of this morning, they're, they're still getting ready. To, I think they just wrapped up teeing off. Uh, for the final round, they had a six-shot lead coming into the – or no, they had a three-shot lead coming into the day. And uh, their individual leader, Matt's Ega, Ega. he had a – you like that one? He had a, a, a six-shot lead individually thanks to his record-setting 10-under par 62 in round one on Sunday. Yeah, the course record, the tournament record, the, I don't know, the, the ETSU record maybe. It was all kinds of records. It was an ETSU record. It was a tournament record. Uh, temperatures in the mid 50s, winds over 20 miles an hour, and he <laughs> he shot 10 under par. That's wild. That's wild. But ETSU men's golf, number 11 team in the country, and I, I think that's a name that you're going to have to get used to hearing. Yeah, and even when you know, so as a team going into today, they had a two shot lead on second, three shot, or a 10 shot lead on third, which was the, the Furman Paladins, but. 
The Furman Paladins. The Furman Paladins. There it is. Uh, and, and individually, uh, there were three bucks uh, in the top five. So, yep. uh, again, just a – and you'd imagine a tournament that is at your de facto home course, you would be mm-hmm. expected – but still, some of the numbers are putting up for this weekend, considering the conditions. Yep. Normally, this is a, you know, right at 70 degrees, between 60 and 70 degrees, and not much going on. But they have dealt with some chilly mornings uh, in the 40s uh, the first couple of oh. mornings. Now, he hit a 40-footer for par on 12 that kind of turned the momentum of his round from good to great. Uh, missed an eagle on 14. But still got the bird, and uh, he, he had a few short putts that didn't go in, but ultimately was able to uh, to battle back. And, and the uh, tournament record, the previous tournament record, was uh, nine under sixty three by Jack Ray, uh, Shisoko, who did it twice, and uh, Simon Zach from Louisville, who did it in twenty eighteen. So that's a it's, it's a pretty impressive. Uh, also. Yeah, there, there were a few others that did nine under. I think Goodmunder Christensen, he had a, he had a previous record. Like, I don't think it was a tournament record, but it was a nine under 63 was yeah, a low score. Reese Davies did it. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, just a great weekend for men's golf, and I think they're going to finish it today. Should be able to wrap it up today. Hopefully be an ETSU Buccaneer uh, victory tournament for the number 11 team in the country. Shout out Jake Amos. And that group. they're going to not host that tournament anymore. You might as well go out in style. This is the last one. Yeah, this is the last uh, Bank of Tennessee intercollegiate, at the very least in this iteration, but I believe it is the end of, of the Bank of Tennessee intercollegiate at Blackthorn. And, yeah, it's a great way to go out. And, yeah, like you said, end it on a high note. Uh... Unfortunately, we cannot end this podcast on a high note. We're just going to jump right in. This is as somber as you ever get. by that young man's ability to get after the football. He's been great. For a guy that, you know, they tried to recruit, they were trying to get him on campus during the summer, and it didn't really work out. And, you know, Billy Taylor was telling us, I think the first day of camp, he got a roster with a guy he didn't know on it. It's like, all I know is that he's my new linebacker and his name is Teddy. And uh, Teddy Wilson's come a long way from that in a very short amount of time. It's also between that and I think uh, when they were watching fall camp, and DeAndre Davis is walking the steps because he's hurt. And we're like, hey, this Teddy guy looks pretty good. And DeAndre goes, yeah, you know, he's done some – well, you know he's my backup, right? And then he kind yeah. of like, yes, like, yeah, 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 no, he's, he's pretty good. He's my backup. <laughs> he's pretty good. He's my backup. <laughs> yes, DeAndre, we know. We, do, we know, Dre. We know. But uh, he has been a, a, a great addition. Um, uh, and, again, a, a lot of guys are, are getting – Significant playing time. The defense, I thought, you know, Ty James was Ty James. And for whatever reason, he, he just owns ETS. Does he, does he have a realtor yet? Like, is he going to buy – he's going to buy a house up here, right? He's been great. And, and he should. I don't know if he 
does. He set the single the single game receiving record for Mercer at ETSU in, tw- in the 21 game. And then he broke it again with 351 yards against Sanford last year. And if he hadn't broken it then, he would have broken it on Saturday. The 50-yarder uh, where he just flat beat Khalil Anderson mano a mano um, over the top was the that was the sealer for him and the sealer for the game because Mercer won twenty four to six made it a three score game and that was that. I mean ETSU's defense special teams uh, helped the offense have an uh, average starting position at their own forty four. Yes. Well, I mean, George Quarles said it flat out. He said, call it what it is. We weren't very good on offense. And Rydell got hurt on the, what, third series of the game. And that just took the life out of the, out of ETSU's offense. Rydell was making some plays. I, I Honestly, I think if Rydell plays the whole game, ETSU has a decent chance to win. Uh, and it, it certainly, they do find the end zone at some point in that game with Rydell. But uh, Rydell got hurt. He got knocked out of the game. Dorsey comes in and looks like a guy that has played 25 snaps of college football because that's all he's played. And it just didn't it – took, it took a long time for him to really start to work. And then he started making plays with his legs. Right, started seeing down the field a little bit better, I think. Saw, saw the running lanes a little bit better. And then uh, he takes a big hit. And he's out with a concussion. And it's on to William Riddle, the former two-time state champion, I believe, at Macaulay. So that's where ETSU is right now. They do not have a healthy scholarship quarterback. Dorsey has been ruled doubtful for this week against Wofford. And Rydell has already been ruled out by George Quarles. For four weeks, uh, Todd Rydell himself. Jacksonville State, all of Sanford have won. We started the third against Jacksonville State, and then it just got bad. Rydell? Didn't he? No. He, he, didn't, he didn't play good. I thought, I thought he played, like, the first couple series, and then it got in a big hole, and then they went to Barron. But uh, yeah. maybe yeah. – I, I don't know. I don't remember the second half of that game because it made me want to throw my television. So. Right, right. Well, he, he actually came out late in the locker room. He wasn't even out there to start. Um, so that's the only reason I know that. But he played two – played two at Jacksonville State. He played uh, – Game Sanford, and he played the, you know most of the four, first quarter. That's seven quarters. So again, and with the AC joint or RC, whatever that joint is, shoulder, and then uh, now with a, a knee of some kind. I mean, if he wanted to, he could seek. He would have proper documentation for the old medical, and uh, could still have two years left to play seven years college football. The Jared is. is we're, we're closing He's in close. on Jared Folk's territory. Yeah. He's, he, Close. Uh, We're getting to Jared Folk's territory. So, um, have to wait and see. But, yes, William Riddle, last week I thought this was um, something Coach had not heard of. And I have to agree that one guy was the scout team player of the week and actually took snaps at quarterback because that's how low they've gotten uh, the depth chart. And I've heard a couple other guys where it's like, yeah, special teams, whatever. And it was, you know, a, a, a special teamer or something. And they got it. I have not. Heard the quarterback, but listen, uh, as we know, Wofford is 0-6, and, um, and I'm going to get to a little bit, a couple extra things on Mercer. 
both teams will be looking at the schedule and be thinking, okay, this is our chance. This is our chance at it. So, no doubt. Uh, and when we Thursday break it down, they're eerily similar in defensive numbers and offensive numbers. So it, it really is like looking in a mirror with this team. It really is. I mean, I'm just going to read this uh, 15 drop chart for you here. Uh, six plays, 11 yards. Three plays, minus 15. Four plays, 37. Four plays, nine. Three plays, eight. Two for 21. Three plays, negative three. Three plays, two yards. Three plays, six yards. Four plays, negative seven. Seven plays, seven. Eight, eight plays, 39. Three plays, one. Four plays, one. Six plays, Average time of possession, 1 minute 15 seconds. I, I just, you can't win a football game that Average way. number of plays per drive, 4. I don't care what your cornerback situation is. If you can't move the ball and score points with an average starting field position of your own 44, and you went, th- how many times did they go 3 and out? All right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 traditional. Now they turn it over on down. So that's a four and out. Uh, and then they had a two-play fumble. Which I know maybe doesn't necessarily. No, it's not a three and out, but, uh, yeah, that's obviously not good. And that that's that's bad. It failed to capitalize on two Devron Harper fumbles in the first half. I told you. I told you he was going to cough up the football, and they didn't give it back to him after the second one. That was the opportunity. The door was being held open by Mercer, like very courteous gentlemen that they are down at Mercer, I'm sure. Uh, They held the door open for ETSU, and ETSU didn't walk through it. Sheldon Arnold, uh, two-time Southern Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Was great. Ridiculous. He was really good. The linebacker, the defensive front was awesome. They, they, they They gave up 1.8 yards of carry. Um, the linebackers look good. I am increasingly impressed with Dre Delanois. I think this guy is a player, and he's somebody that ETSU can look at and say, all right, you are a piece of our future. You're going to start here. You're going to start here for a long, long time. Um, I thought the defensive line battled. You know, it's not the deepest group, but the top end guys, Evans, George, Jalen George was really good. Um, Brantley recovered a fumble. Brantley was good. Yeah, the, they those guys played great up front. I thought they did the work that you asked them to do. They did not allow Mercer to run the football, uh, but Mercer did some really good things to scheme PV clean when he did drop back to throw, and James took the corners to class one v one or one on one. That was the the leak. Right, it was a leak that turned into a massive rupture in the hull. And that goes back to a storyline we've been talking about since July is what's the cornerback situation going to look like. And they played a lot of Khalil Anderson. They played a lot of Mike Jenkins. Both of them played one-on-one against James, and both of them lost. Uh, it was That's just where ETSU is right now. I, I think this if, – if you were wondering if – Billy Taylor's scheme was going to work now with the new timing rules and a lot of other stuff. 
Um, I think you have your answer. Your answer is yes, but that scheme requires corners that can win in man coverage, and ETSU probably needs more corners to be able to rotate, and they only have three healthy ones, and that just creates all sorts of issues. Yeah, Trice and McNeil have a shot at coming back before the end of the year, which would give them five, which would certainly help out. But if you look at the defense, other than Steven Scott and Hot Rod Fenton, I guess, but, but Hot Rod really is just now more of the recon third down because Dylan Wall really kind of played a lot um, on both sides between West and yeah. uh, Teddy Wilson. But uh, you take Hot Rod out if you just look at the two deep, and you take Stephen Scott out, you would in theory return everybody. In theory. In theory, which as we know is not the same as practice. But that's promising. If you keep these guys on board with the idea that, hey, you're going to be part of building something, it's going to outlast you if that means something to them. And you add a f- just a few more pieces. Uh, you, I think you. I think you need one more really dynamite pass rusher, and you need one more corner, at least. And then obviously, I think an inside linebacker because Stephen's got to be healthy. And yeah, I, and, and, yeah and, you'll, and you'll you'll need some you'll need some help there. But I, I, I would not be surprised to see Coney step up. I, I think he's played yeah, pretty all right. You know, Hoskinson Coney side by side at that point. You know, they're, they're high on Elijah Taylor, who's yet to, to – they're kind of – they are red-shirting him yeah. just because he's not going to get a lot of action in. Will they do that? And then, you know, obviously if Hope and Arnold are, are around and, you know, Khalil Anderson showed me some signs. But, again, there were some one-on-one situations where, you know, they gave up big plays. And for the most part, Khalil made some tackles, but there was one arm tackle in which he – it and James was able to kind of just shrug him off and walk into the end zone. So yeah. even though Khalil had some moments, there's still some moments there. But I mean, even even on the line, I mean, Brent LeBlanc, um, Isaiah Magaha, another guy that, that's you know young. A walk on that's leading the team in sacks. So um, you know, there's there's some things on the on the the defensive side, uh, and then on the the offensive side, I think the big thing still. And it's every it's everything. Everybody needs to be better. Receivers need to be better. Um, obviously, they're down several tight ends, and, and they're doing what they can. The line continues to have some moments, but it always seems like there's four guys doing one thing and one guy not. The running backs, I mean, it's it's evident if you go cut on the tape on a couple of the plays where Rodell was sacked fairly quickly that a running back missed an assignment in blocking. Yes. And that's got to be fixed. You know, not every sack is a lineman's fault. You know, some sacks, um, one was a coverage sack. As a matter of fact, early in the game, uh, Rydell, uh, plenty of time. Get, uh, actually, sorry, it's Timmy Dorsey. Get plenty of time. Finally, he had to tuck and try to make something happen, and he got tackled for a couple-yard loss. But that for was sure. a coverage sack. I mean, for all four receivers were out there not doing So there were some coverage sacks in that game. There was lineman O'Lane people in that game. There were running backs who either didn't understand who they were supposed to pick up or just ran right by the guy they were supposed to block. And so all of that is going to be for bad offense. I still go with for the offensive line, for the guys that have been around, it's the third coach, third year, third system. And there's still new guys that have come in, and none of them, they're still learning to play together. And I think that can't be understated for offensive 
discuss it with people when we call something out or seeing things or whatever it is. But if you take a look at some of the better offensive lines in the Southern Conference, there's a lot of the same names and faces. And on the defensive side for Mercer, I mean, they were unique because there were 19, 20 guys in the 2D that were listed out Dallin ended up being out with Achilles. There was one extra guy there in the 2D that hasn't been in there. But they had so much continuity on the defensive yeah. side. It was amazing to see them flow to the football. And they were very rarely, if ever, out of position. Yeah, them and Furman have had the most continuity on defense for sure. And, and it shows. Uh, it shows when you have that many guys that have played that well together in, or played that long together in that scheme, they're pretty cohesive. It's just like the old-school mid-major basketball team is this that the, the goes on the run in the tournament is the senior-heavy team, right? The team that's got six seniors or seven seniors is the team that finds its way into an upset because they've been there before, they play really well together, they understand what the other guys are trying to do. That's the same thing in football. You got a team that's been together for a really long time, and you can build a culture and continuity around one or both sides, ideally both sides of the ball, but especially on defense. That tends to create inertia. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. So I'm not surprised at all that Mercer's defense played pretty well, but ETSU just didn't offer a challenge to them on Saturday. And, um, Wofford's defense is going to come in here, and they're going to play with their hair on fire. They're going to battle. Uh, they do not make anything easy, and they are, like ETSU, I think they're pretty good against the run. Their corners are not dazzling athletes, uh, but they play hard. And offensively, they are a nightmare. Um, their, running situ- their running backs are really good. Ingram's good. You know, they can run the football at a reasonably effective clip. But the pass game is just not there. They tried Coriston, and he went to the bench, and now they've brought in Seeley, and he has been maybe marginally better, uh, but not a lot, and not good enough for them to be in positions to win football games at the end of it all. So that's why they don't have a win yet. And this will be a pivotal game for both teams because you're just looking for for traction. For ETSU in particular, you still have VMI and the Citadel later in your schedule. Those are games you feel like you have an opportunity to win. You win this one. You Maybe you give, you give your team the confidence that you can go out and do that, especially if you do that with Will Riddle at quarterback. You know, QB number five for the year, QB four on the depth chart right now. If, if you go out and win, you beat Wofford with that guy, you absolutely feel like you can beat the Citadel. You absolutely feel like you can beat VMI. So, uh, this is, excuse me, this is a yeah, thing. I, yeah, I haven't had my coffee yet okay. this morning. I haven't had my coffee yet this morning. Um, and are you done? Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you're talking Wofford, no. Citadel, Citadel, BMI, Mejian, or Well, uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, subjecting yourself to Wofford, BMI, is probably a violation of your own Eighth Amendment's rights. Um, it's not, it is not a great game. Um, it was, in, and, and the weather didn't help. Yeah, weather did not. It was it was sloppy conditions, gloomy. Um, yeah, it was not a that was not that's not the the all timer that those two teams would like to play against each other. But it was a win for VMI. And you know what? Those are rare and precious. So celebrate those when you get them. Um, you want to talk about the rest of SOPA? Since we're already doing it, might as well. 
something in motion, and, uh, yeah, it was your headphones, wasn't it? Anyway, SoCon, Chattanooga, and Western Carolina. Doozy. Maybe the game of the year in FCS football. Chattanooga takes the lead on a two-point conversion that was bobbled and ultimately caught, and then Western Carolina drives for the game-winning field goal right at the end. I just uh, the last like minute of that game absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I, I, watching the drive for Chattanooga to get the touchdown, then the decision to go for two. They originally set up for the swinging gate, gets the timeout from Western. Yeah. Then they line up for the Wildcat, and then Lim Ford. I thought was interesting. Didn't even sell the run. <laughs> just caught it and looked and looked and then threw, threw the pass, which I think allowed the Western defender to, to kind of just turn around and realize, oh, he's not running the ball to get back there. But for it to be, you know, juggled and, and Overton to eventually catch it on his chest uh, was incredible. And then it was one of those where listening to the Chattanooga broadcast, like the color guy, yeah, that's over. Just one game of that two-point conversion. And then, of course, go forth the play with play. I was like, well, there's, there's some time left, you know. And then Western credit, it was two like 10, 12 yard passes immediately right across the middle and then just an absolute um, a dime actually from uh, which isn't shocking, but Gonzalez has had a guy in his face and um, over two linebackers under the safeties dropped to DJ Colombo for a big like 40 yard What uh, a breakout game. year for Colombo too, and a breakout game for Colombo. That just, that was huge. Tried to run one more play and nothing was available, and throwing it out of bounds with four seconds. Cole Gonzalez and then McCollum hits the field goal, but wait a second, there's a timeout, so then you got to reline it back up. And McCollum did it again, then did the old uh, helmet throw, talk trash to the uh, Chattanooga sideline. You know, I love a kicker loser moment. Yeah. If you're a kicker, but that's okay. But McCollum did his job, he won the game. And he just loves smack talking schools in uh, Tennessee, I guess. Yeah. He does that to all of us. <laughs> yes, he does. Cole Gonzalez, two seventy six three scores. Desmond Good. Reed, and again, that's where I go. I keep going back to that. You know, the offensive Unbelievable. Line in the run game is Unbelievable. I mean, two eleven and two scores. And Reed is probably going. Reed is a Walter Payton contender. He might be the probably should be the Walter Payton front runner at this point. He's already got eight hundred sixty eight hundred forty eight hundred fifty yards. He's got 850 yards and 12 rushing touchdowns this season. That's insane. Yeah, that guy, Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Yeah, and, and then on the flip side, you know, Artopius continued almost 400 yards, 399, five touchdowns. Did throw a couple. And he's of been really good too. Yeah. And then uh, Javen Watley, four touchdown receptions for 231. not getting his numbers, but they have been um, very well balanced. 45 pass attempts to 39 rushes. You know, four, almost 400 yards passing, 144 on the ground. I mean, it's uh, 
offensively, Chad is doing, you know, way better offensively because it was always a defense that carried him. Now the main concern is what is still going on with the defense because they are still giving him. And I know Western is gifted offensively, but there is still a ton, ton of yardage and points being given up by this Chattanooga defense that has been shocking. But Chase Artopias continues uh, to impress. Cole Gonzalez uh, continues to Good. make – I, I love. I just love the personnel on this offensive group. I mean, Reed obviously is is, is a, a stud, and we've talked about their offensive line at length. But sincerely, David White, AJ Colombo is a triple threat in the pass game. Has been really, really good. I'm just floored at how um, explosive that team is because you look at it, they only ran like 50 plays in that game. I, I don't think they ran that many. Um, 48. Western Carolina ran 48 plays in that game and scored 52 points. That's unhinged. That's that's it's, that's nuts. I've never seen anybody do that before. What did they average per play here? Let's see here. So they're, they're just, <laughs> just look at 55 yards uh, touchdown for Sincerely in the first quarter. Reed had a 70-yard TD. Then uh, Lee had another 28-yarder. Then Reed hit a 58-yarder. Uh, Branson Adams had a 37-yard touchdown run. David White caught a 37-yard touchdown pass. <laughs> That's ridiculous. 11.5 per play. <laughs> oh, that's – that's what is that? I mean, think about that. They ran uh, 48 plays to Chattanooga's 84 plays. And Chattanooga averaged 6.5 yards a play. Which is not bad. For 84 plays, that's a lot. Yeah, it was a... Oh, my God. I I clearly have Western Carolina too low in my top 25. I am a voter. Full disclosure, I am a voter in the Fans Nation top 25. Uh, I had Western Carolina at 6 this week. I think I might need to have them a little higher than that. That offense is just dangerous. Uh, you know what? 6 might be about right for them. But I, I think they could sneak up to five. Well, who else got any top five here? South Coast State's number one. Yeah. Montana State, Idaho, Sac State, NDSU, Western Carolina. Southern Illinois lost 31-6 to on the road at Youngstown State. I can't figure out Youngstown State. I can't figure out anybody. That's true. All right. I, 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 well, let's see. I, right. I'm lucky if I can figure out myself most days. Uh, Furman, I think, jumped out 28 nothing lead. Gave up 10 to win 28-10. Citadel, um, Sanford a 31-3 lead. Wofford got a, a, a touchdown late. Sanford got uh, 250 in the air, 200 on the ground. But uh, this week's game's coming up, and we'll talk about a lot on Thursday. But a couple uh, of big ones. Furman is at Sanford, and Mercer will host Chattanooga. And then VMI Citadel, um, which, let me tell you, that is the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Cadets will bust everybody down in Charleston, South Carolina. VMI goes to Charleston off their bye. That's typically the game where you feel like you have the most juice, right? You get a rival off the bye. Here we go. Like, Western Carolina gets Furman at home off their bye week next week. Furman Furman needs to buckle up. That's going to be a challenge and a half. VMI has some energy. I think this VMI team is probably a little bit better than the Citadel. 
man, that could be a that could be a, that would be a huge moment. It's either Maurice Drayton's first win or VMI gets to three, which was probably beyond their wildest expectations at the beginning of the year. It'll be interesting too with Chattanooga Mercer because Chattanooga already two FCS losses. North Alabama, Western Carolina, yeah, if they lose another one, they could be in trouble. They still got Furman and Mercer, so. Because if they, if they lose, yeah, if they lose at Mercer, they have to win out to have a shot. And their last two weeks are uh, bye week and then at Alabama. So their season will be over on uh, on Halloween. Right? Or no, it's uh, November November 4th. Like well, they're, they're, well, I figure after October 21st, it's a two weeks chat. So. Rusty Wright, man. <laughs> Talking about a hot seat, let me tell you. Uh, that's another You know, when, when I, I, I broached that subject at the beginning of the year, and, and I, uh, people were kind of like, ah, no, there's no way. No, there's no way. That's ridiculous. He's had too much success there. But it's like, if, if, you're, if you miss the playoffs, if the expectation at Chattanooga is playoffs and you're not making the playoffs, um, I, I think they could absolutely, uh, they could absolutely fold that hand. And, and try to go back and get another one. I don't think they should, because what was Chattanooga before Hughesman got there? Uh, honestly, they weren't even this good before Hughesman got there. But if they go s- seven and four and miss the playoffs, but they're six and two in the SoCon. Uh, rid of that guy, who are you going to go get? Who are you going to go get that's going to do better than 6-2 and two in the league? Just to, just focus on that. Who's going to do better than 6-2 and two in the SoCal? This is just hypothetical. Sake of argument. 5-3, and that's the third straight year they've been 5-3. and three. I, I think there's just... I don't know. Chattanooga strikes me as a school that it's, it's like Nebraska thinks it should be comp- contending for national titles, but no. So, again... Like, I, just, I just don't buy that... that if you if you want to if you want to entertain this, and I don't even like entertaining this to be honest with you. But if you want to entertain this, who's going to do drastically more than what Rusty's done, and also not immediately get hired by a Sun Belt school? I'll wait. I think it's the the big thing for chat fans, and again, this is all relative, like because we have. Country sometimes, where why, why would that guy get fired? What is that? Right? It's all, it's the school and their fan base and how it's perceived. And I think it's the end of the year collapse. They just need to win one, sometimes one of two, and they've lost one or both. End of the year that's kept them out at you know six and five or seven and four. Uh, where they've been at? I think that's the because that was the one thing I did during the time out in Chattanooga. football tournament down there. It was actually on the practice uh, facility where Chattanooga is. And so I was wearing, you know, the, the black shirts. That's what the color of my son's team is. And that's basically because I'm wearing ETSU. And, you know, did a lot of, hey, how you, how you feel about Chet this year? How you feel about uh, Rusty Wright? But there, there, were, there were a lot of doubters. There were a lot of, like, if he can't get us to the playoffs now type answers. Um, I mean, they haven't had a conference championship. 
not been to playoffs before, and this is year five, and I think that's the – and there's been so many teams that have. ETSU has gone. Sanford's gone. Furman's yeah. gone. I mean, there's – I'm trying to think. VMI uh, went one year, so there's five. Um, uh, did Mercer go in the last five years? I don't think Mercer has. No. I don't believe so. No, no I don't think they have. So – I think you're just looking at the last five years, Wofford, well, I mean, the last five years ago, I think Wofford did go. Because Conklin's Yeah, out. yeah, no, they lo- that was the year they lost to Kennesaw State. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I don't think we're – so, I think if you're a Chet fan, you're looking and you're thinking about everybody in the league but us is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that plays into it. Um, anyway, there are legitimate people that are talking about that. And, again, it's hard because if you're winning – Six games a year, you're over 500, um, and Chattanooga generally does not play a Division Two, you know, cupcake either. They they generally play FCS teams, and they had six or seven FCS wins a year, give or take, since NC State over average. Throw out COVID year, obviously they're three and two. Okay, sure, whatever. You don't know what you got until it's gone. They didn't know what they had in Huseman. They didn't know what they have in Ruston. Just telling you. I'm just telling you. If, that, if, that's the, if that's the mindset of people down there, then maybe they need to stay off the fan boards where all the wackos hang out and actually, like, embrace the reality of Division One college football. This important one I hear, buddy. I think there's legitimate heat that if, you know, he were to lose to, let's just say, Mercer and Furman to beat everybody else. You know, and what would that put them, give or take? So they are, let me check. So Chad is 4 2. That'd be 4. They're going to play in Division 1. So it'd be 6 and 5. Yeah. I, I'm done with this conversation because we're going to have to rip some band aids off that nobody wants to rip off. You're not ready to have these conversations, and I'm not either. The best games of the week, or at least the ones these two dorks want to watch. It's the pick six. You pick that up all by yourself? Well, we did pick six. Uh, Turnover on uh, the the aggregator, who only actually laid out five games last week. (laughs) Um, UT Martin in Eastern Illinois. We both picked the Skyhawks, who won in Charleston in overtime. Made us sweat it out. Uh, Fresno State. You picked the Cowboys, wisely so. I picked the Bulldogs, unwisely so. Uh, Kentucky at Georgia, we both picked UGA. And uh, Bowers went bananas again. Was, what, seven for a buck 35 and two TDs? Yeah, Heisman. Heisman, do it. Just do it. Uh, North Carolina Central at Elon. Sandos picked the Phoenix. I planted my flag and said there are no good CAA teams and that NC Central is better than all of them. Except Delaware, maybe. And I picked the Eagles in one. Uh, Western Carolina at UTC, we both picked the Catamounts. I love this one, though. The extra point. We both kicked our extra point successfully. I I don't think that's actually ever happened in the history of this bit. Um, as I look, Northern Arizona beat Weber State 27-10 in Ogden. Weber State is bad bad actually uh and tennessee state 
The Fighting Eddie Georges. A seven-point win, 27-20 over Kennesaw State. Kennesaw is 1-5, and five, and the win is Tusculum. Do we do, – do, do I get credit for NC State over Marshall when we picked on the president? Uh, real talk, can I have that as an extra? Yeah, yeah. I, I said Marshall was the first five you know, team in the country, and NC State did win. I don't know if they're actually one five one now, so I guess it doesn't matter. I think we all – didn't we all pick the Wolf? No, no, no. Uh, Dol- actually, Dr. Nolan picked – the, the blundering turd, as the he called them. Blundering him. turd, which was one of my favorites. That was delightful. Um, I did not realize he hated Marshall that much. Um, no, that's great. Uh, no. Okay. Let's let it ask. You know, uh, we both went five and one this week, and after week six, I am twenty-seven and twelve. You are twenty-one and seven, which is not bad, especially given where you were a couple weeks ago. I mean, you had you have had a rocky. You had a yeah. You were twelve and thirteen after week four. You have definitely made a comeback. Yeah, how about that? Look at me. All right, Thursday we're going to talk to uh, Jim Noble, play-by-play man, Wofford Terriers. We'll get his take on the Terriers. Love me some Jim Noble. We will break down uh, ETSU and Wofford. We'll take a look at the Southern Conference slate. We'll do pick six. May touch on another sport or two at the top of the show. A lot going on uh, Thursday, TTSU, home game, Waffle Terriers, 3.30. Saturday from Mexico Field, we have a great game. Thank you. Anything to add? 10 seconds. No, I have nothing to add. Just let it play. It's Jay and Keith. Let it play on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Keith, let's say for once. Oh, you got to be kidding me.